you smell that? That is the smell of NFL playoffs in the air. Well, <laughs> I'm in L.A., so it's also the smell of pot. But nevertheless, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all your sports action this playoff season. Head to the website or use your mobile device. Sign up today. Get your 50% welcome bonus just for being friends with JT and Looney. Your first deposit, you get a 50% welcome bonus. But you got to use our promo code, BELIEVE. Now, it's not spelled the normal way, BELIEVE. This is the BELIEVE radio network, so there's no E. It's B-L-E-A-V, as in the BELIEVE radio network. And that way, you can get that bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right up to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait a solitary second to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Now, if you do wait, I would suggest you just wait 42 minutes and 44 seconds through the entirety of the JT and Looney podcast and then go to bet online. The fastest, easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing new offers available at Bet Online, where the game starts. And now the podcast starts, damn it. I believe our first one in 2022. And Tom, I love saying 2022. I think it's easier to say than 2021 or 2023. <laughs> so I love the year 2022. And I hope all of our subscribers and our listeners enjoy what we have from this year. Well, you you remember, uh, if you go back in the hot tub time machine, a lot of people want to cure cancer or cure world hunger. And I just wanted to get people to stop saying 2000 un. And I had a feeling it would stop. And it pretty much has in 2020 because 2020 was so much fun to say. Now, 2020 was the pandemic year and people were saying F 2020 and ended up being a really rough year for a lot of people. But the reason why I looked forward to that year was people said it was fun saying 2020. And now it is good saying 2022. Did you have a good New Year's? Did you go crazy? Did you go quiet? How was New Year's? Well, because the this uh, this uh, Omicron is like the leaping frog of Calaveras County. So I uh, kept it low key at home, kept it uh, you know, a party of three. And so Seinfeld party of three. <laughs> And so I guess I kept it low key because of the Omicron. You're not scared of the Omicron because you're, I think, double vaccinated and boosted last time we talked. So you shouldn't be afraid. Isn't that absolutely not? Isn't that what all the wackos on uh, conservative cable news say that, you you know, you have all your vaccines. You shouldn't be scared. Go into it like you're shirtless going into some type (laughs) of big party there. You're you're confident you're not going to get anything. And now people are getting it more so than ever when they're double vaxxed and even boosted. I'm not boosted. I was double vaxxed. I had the appointment for the booster and I tested positive. And I tested positive only because I was in really close, close contact with somebody else who did. What I mean is that's why I went for my test. Otherwise, I, w- I never would have known. I had a small cold, had a voice issue one Saturday morning anchoring the news, and it went away with an ibuprofen and didn't miss a workout. Filmed a commercial where I played a football referee and had to do 100 takes running down a football field. Didn't even notice. I probably had, if I had COVID at the time, it was then. So... That, that's the uh, that's the advertisement for getting your vaccines. I might have had it and didn't know it. On the other hand, that's an advertisement for being careful because you might have it and not know it. Well, I'm the last person in the world that doesn't have it. I'm the very last person. The you only person the in the Omicron. world. Wow. The only person that doesn't have any yet. Wow. And I knock wood because that's the ultimate jinx, because seriously, everyone's getting it, including personal friends and all that. And all we've said when whenever we've talked about covid 
We try to put the number up and tell you where it's at. We'll get oh to that God, in a moment. Yes. But take it seriously. Don't mock people who are ill. Don't mock people. Don't be a conspiracy theorist. Don't try to be funny about it. Just, you know, talk about it and do the right thing and try to help others. And listen to your doctor. This is all I always say. Listen to your doctor. Your doctor isn't part of the Illuminati like everyone thinks everyone else is. Your doctor isn't part of the media or some liberal conspiracy. I found out Fauci's a lifelong Republican. The Republican, they're calling him a Democratic stooge. You know, just so if, even if you don't like Fauci, you're li- I'm sure you like your own doctor. Ask your own doctor what he thinks. Yeah, and then just do the right thing and try to protect other people. Yes. Try to protect the elderly. Uh, go out there and do the right thing if you can. And if you want to get boosted up, if you want to help out, and if you just want to make sure, because we're getting like a half a million cases a day, the death toll is at 853,000. Go back to the original JT and Looney COVID podcast mm-hmm. and look at the number there. But uh, almost 42 million people have recovered which is a great number here. And we just wanted to throw those numbers out here because it's a new year before we move on to another topic. And you and I have old people in our life. We always have. And we were lucky enough to grow up with our grandparents and our parents. You know, my dad died at 31, but the universe rewarded me on the other end with a plethora of really old people in my life. And my mom's still alive. And that was another, yeah, it was another reward I got. Uh, because of the trauma uh, of my dad dying so young. And so I always want, you know, my whole life was about taking care of the old and protecting the old, and that's why I got vaccinated. And my parents are both in the 80s. John and Maureen, as you know, are both down in Naples now. Uh, They got out of the cold and the wet of New York. They're down in Naples, which means happy hour every day. (laughs) Walking the streets of Naples. So we want the COVID to disappear so they can go to happy hour every day. Does your your mom and dad have a cocktail at happy hour? Yeah, I think they do. Oh, that's great. No doubt. Glass of wine. Uh, Both my parents who listen to the podcast, I don't know. They don't often tell me. They don't scrutinize my radio or podcast work, which is nice. Well, they know the quiet guy. And yeah. so some might be a little uncomfortable at times for them. It's Same thing great, with my mom sometimes. When that's she was... a great podcast for a different time. <laughs> uh, no doubt. But uh, they they are at the stage in life where I want to get to someday at a much younger age where I can enjoy a cocktail every day. They are enjoying <laughs> a glass of wine. Well, I'm afraid day. of. Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm Irish. I don't, do, I don't do one. But I, uh, I, one thing that inspired me, and I'm not a, you know, I, I, I like being, uh, thinking we are, I'm an egalitarian. And so I'm not big into kings and queens, although I love history and I, I still will pay attention to uh, like, like The Crown, which was a great show on Netflix. I'm not going to uh, ignore great art. But the queen's doctor recently told her she had to stop having her five o'clock martini. And I'm thinking if she's not whatever she is, she's 90 something. She's almost the same age. Didn't, didn't her husband die at 99? If she's still having a martini, why would the doctor tell her to stop drinking a martini? It seems like everything's working. I watch a great Elton John documentary. It's either on Prime or Netflix. I'll get it. And when Elton John had his 16 years of the depths of his addiction, Uh he did so much cocaine. We always think about cocaine and we go, Rick James, or who did cocaine this much? Nikki Six did heroin. Fascinating. Graham Norton did the documentary. Graham Norton, the British uh, the he's basically the combination of Johnny Carson and late night talk mm-hmm. overseas there in London. And he did the documentary and Elton was saying at one part of his deepest, deepest, deepest addiction to alcohol and drugs. 
that he would have like five martinis in a half hour to get his buzz on. He oh, started doing it. And the only way he could get going was Mark. The martini was his drink, but he'd have five really quick and that would get his buzz on. And then boom, the cocaine and then the more martinis and the drinking and all that. But he didn't like to have them over the night. Like it wasn't like a martini every hour until you're blasted. He just pounded them in the first 30 minutes <laughs> to get the buzz right where he wanted it to be. I have a theory, JT, oh, on why he, why he did that. Well, some say that for some people, cocaine uh, gives them indigestion, gives them incredible indigestion. And so that doesn't mix with the drinking very well. So they do their drinking up front. And then by doing all the like me have a few long and iced teas or a martini up front. And then you get to really boost from the cocaine. And then with your stomach bothering you a little bit, you just go to the Rolades. <laughs> After you, after you start doing the cocaine, but you still have an amazing buzz. I thought that's, the that's what I hear. For me watching movies and not and just seeing this from a distance was people didn't eat if they were on that drug. <laughs> you're oh. saying, you know, they just didn't want to eat. They didn't have the appetite. Now you're adding this to that. We do picture skinny drug addicts, although uh, Elton John was not. John Belushi was not Elvis Presley, who got the liquid cocaine that he would put the Q-tip in. He had the prescription liquid cocaine. Put the Q-tip in. Let me tell you something. Once you reach a certain age, you have a big meal and you feel like going to bed instead of going out afterwards. I bet you that liquid cookie with the the Q-tip will change things. Well, I usually probably five times in the last 20 years, I gave up drinking on January 1st for the month. Yes. A lot of people do dry January. Yes. Dry January. I've done it before, usually because it led to Radio Row. In radio is we would always go and go to the Super Bowl city and then we'd be on a spotlight on a right. stage and people you haven't saw. So I always said I wanted to get a little bit more fit, lose some weight and I wouldn't drink and do that. And then other times, you know, that worked other times I didn't want to do it. And I'm not doing it this year because the Raiders play the Chargers on Sunday night. Oh. Win or lose. Oh. I'm going to need a cocktail after that. Win or lose on Sunday night on NBC. NBC. If the Raiders win and go to the playoffs after I've been there for the Gruden resignation, oh, front row seat. The Henry Ruggs <laughs> tragedy. Everything that's happened. Uh, I'll deserve a cocktail. If they win, I'll watch the sun come up with the Raider Nation and be partying like I'm 16. If they don't win, I'm sure I'll come home and say, man. That's 18 weeks, 17 game season. Pour me a tall one. I deserve it for everything I watch. So I didn't take the dry January off because the Raiders got flexed into Sunday night football. Do you know you just after in a thousand words, you just said you're going to drink either way. Either Either a victory celebration or not. So there's maybe that's the issue when you start to (laughs) examine why you're going to have a cocktail after a football game. Either you're celebrating an epic win. I would love nothing more than to knock the powder blues out of the playoffs. Nothing more than that boy blunder, that new head coach Staley. And he's just, he's just so awkward and he likes to go for it on every fourth down. And then the media, the scoundrels rip the Raiders after week five and eight and 12 and they're dysfunctional and they're, they're falling apart and the wheels are coming off and all of a sudden they could knock off the chargers and get into the playoffs after beating Andrew luck and Cleveland in the dog pound and have this miracle run with an interim head coach. So a lot on the line Sunday night in Vegas. And there was every reason this year to tear into the chargers several different times throughout the season, the way people tore into the Raiders, but they, people seem there does seem to be, a vast 
left wing conspiracy yes, left uh, to, <laughs> to uh to prop up the chargers and the chargers lose games they shouldn't win and the raiders have done the same so this is a this will be an epic game and so it really will it will blow up the narrative on the raiders at least for a nice piece of time if they can get themselves into the playoffs the way yeah, they're really treated special. the way they're treated by the well, media we, in general yeah, we'll get to a lot of teams, but the Raiders have been resilient this year. Say what you will about them. Yeah. And just some just you you shake your head going. Well, How yeah, because that... they're not an emblem. They're a gathering of human beings on that team who've been through a lot. They're not, yeah, just, you would a, just, a, say, they're not just a logo. Yeah, you would say a few times this year. How did that happen? whatever incident it was on or off the field. Like, how is that fucking possible right. that that just happened? And it's on Sports Center, and I was kind of there to see it and know about it and talk about it, and then they could be in the playoffs. But remember, as we, you and I have always talked about, you know, go back, back to the history of Al Davis. The Raiders always expected to win the Super Bowl every year, and they right. didn't because of the tuck rule or the immaculate reception or some unbelievable loss in the AFC championship game four times with Madden when they could have won three out of four of those Super Bowls. I never want to get to the point with the Raiders or the Yankees or the teams that I'm associated with as a fan that, Oh, we had a winning season. At least if, even if we lose, we were nine and eight, we had a winning season. No sports is about championships. The worst teams, the Jaguars want to have a winning season. Right. The Clippers want to have a winning season. The iconic franchises want to win championships at all costs. That's the priority. And that's, what's going to be so much fun. It's a flex game Sunday night, right? The Raiders and the Chargers. That's a flex game on Sunday night. And I, I just love how you know, when we were, it wasn't, you know, I was going to say when we were younger, but you don't have to go back that far when they had really old fashioned arcane TV rules, network TV rules about games and not being able to change games. And they had to be on one network and not the other. And you couldn't have a game on local television if it wasn't sold out. And thank God that they've changed that. Yeah, it's important because we saw something happen and tied to the Raiders again before we move on with the death of John Madden. The network shared the documentary very quickly. They weren't supposed to. Fox was supposed to just have the rights. Then on January 3rd, they were going to release it to NFL Network and streaming devices like Peacock. And then after John Madden died, they just said, no, no, get it to everybody. Get it yep. to everybody right now. And that was network cooperation. And you're seeing and it was a beautiful thing that. because that's how yeah. I ended up seeing it. I missed it. I thought I recorded it. I didn't. And then uh, then because he died, it was available on Peacock and I got to see it right away and I loved it. It was fantastic. The other game of importance that I want to talk about, you know, this time of year, it gets very complicated with playoff scenarios. Not so much now by adding the wild card team. So you have seven teams in the AFC and the NFC. You only have one bye week. It used to be two. And the Patriots always had either one or two forever. Right. right? So now you only have one. And as we speak, Green Bay has locked up the only week off. They're the only team that has that week off. They're the one seed. Aaron Rodgers will not play and home field goes through Green Bay. And now we're seeing that in Tennessee. But Tennessee now as the one seed is fascinating because they're getting Derrick Henry back. And there was video earlier today. When is Derry Henry? When's he coming back? Well, he's coming back now. He's practicing now. He, he was at practice oh, today. Oh, no. They're going to have a bye week, right? So their bye week is set up nice. And then they're going to get him back, and he's going to be full-blown ready to go. And that's did he go to, did he go to that place in Germany where Tiger and Kobe went, where they <laughs> spin the blood and have it injected into his knee? I hope so. 
Yeah, usually you have to go to Dr. Galela. Or yes. You go to Germany. Dr. Galela is in Toronto, I believe. Or you go to Germany and they spin your blood miraculously and you're ready to play again. But the standings are interesting. The Rams Niners game. Keep an eye on because the Niners beat the Rams. There was a point this year where the Niners were three and five and they had a must win game against the Rams at home. And I remember being on the radio like it was yesterday. And I said live on the air that night, if the Niners don't win this game, they're going to three and six seasons over. There's no path like in the election. There's no path to victory. If you're three and six, the Niners won that game, which was a division game. And they picked up a game on the Rams and then they started their march all the way to the playoffs. Now, now if the Niners beat the Rams, they're in. If the Niners lose the saints win over the Falcons, the saints get in. A lot of people are talking about the Raiders and Chargers. Keep an eye on that Rams-Niners game. That's a big one. Yeah, and also because you don't know, you know the Rams are like a box of chocolates. <laughs> you do not know which team you're going to get. You get this all-star team that's a world-beater team on offense and defense and special teams, and they're great. And then you get so, uh, this is a shitty team that you don't recognize. It just depends on uh, which chocolate you pull out of that box. Well, Kansas City losing. To Cincinnati really opened it up because Kansas City went from the one to the two and Tennessee went to the one and they win the tiebreaker over Kansas City based on head to head win percentage and a round of applause for me who picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl before the start of the season. There was tremendous disarray. Yes. Now Buffalo has got the division. They win the tiebreaker over New England based on best win percentage in division games and Buffalo will at least get one home game. They'll have one home game at Orchard Park, I think, to calm everybody down, have a big win before they have to go on the road. Yeah, and that is you know, and, and one thing about Green Bay and the Buffalo Bills, and I know a lot of those guys aren't from Green Bay or Buffalo who play on those teams, but still they, uh, they'll have the advantage of being less miserable than their opponents, and that's going to be fun to watch those teams try to win the goal. But a lot of times... You know, the Green Bay Packers, if you go back in the hot tub time machine to 2007, Brett Favre had the best year of his career. We were there. Remember, we went to the Raider game. Yep. Andrew was suffering from cancer. He loved the, the Packers, and we took him back for a game. And that was the year. They were destined to go to the Super Bowl. They were great that year, and Brett Favre wasn't making mistakes. But then they... They moved the game around, and they put that game at night with the New York Giants, and it was the coldest game ever played. Tom Coughlin's face almost fell off. Yeah. Yeah. And it was was colder than the Ice Bowl game, not as legendary. And Brett Favre was the oldest guy in the field. It was too cold for him. It was too cold for him that night. And so remember, Green Bay and Buffalo have to play in Green Bay and Buffalo, too. And one other game to keep an eye on, as I mentioned, I mentioned the Rams and the Niner game, how important it is, because if the Rams lose that game, the Buccaneers will go from the three seed to the two seed, which would mean an extra home playoff game, potentially. So the Rams want to keep that game in L.A. You know, they'll have that divisional right. game at home, both of them. But the Rams want to play their second game at home. It's the Super Bowls in L.A. And the Buccaneers would like to not have to go to L.A. They'd rather get that game at home. And how about Tampa Bay with all the nonsense with Antonio Brown, who I believe has serious mental health issues, but he's saying, no, he's saying, no, he was hurt. And now the lawyers are lawyering up because he lost his mind in the jet game. Bruce Arian said something to him. He said something back. Now Antonio Brown saying he was hurt the entire time. And it didn't look like he was hurt. He was prancing and running in the end zone without his shirt on. That's going to be a tough call. 
It's going to be a tough call. <laughs> I mean, what I mean, it's going to be a tough argument for him to make. It is because he's not going to play either way. He's getting surgery, so he's out. But I think he's trying to get his money. And we know this from covering boxers. You and I have covered boxers at length. It's sad. Antonio Brown is 100% going to go broke, in my opinion. He's going to go broke like a boxer, and it's not going to be because of alcohol and drugs. He's like Floyd. He doesn't do anything. He doesn't pay people. He's mentally unstable. He flies on private jets. He doesn't pay his chef. He doesn't pay his masseuse. And they want this last tiny bit of money that he's owed from Tampa Bay. That's why he's lawyering up now. And I think it's going to be a big distraction for the Buccaneers because, Tom, it shows that the Buccaneers care more about winning than anything, including the mental health of Antonio Brown. They just wanted him to play and catch touchdowns from Tom Brady. And it's such a tough thing. You know, one thing that's really tough for me is to say anything nice about Tom Brady, as you know. I think much like Floyd Mayweather, he's only lying when his lips are moving. I think there's a big phony side to him. Uh, we watched how he terribly navigated his way through deflate gate. I don't know if a lot of other people would have gotten through the way he has winning certainly helps. Doesn't it? But the way he goes to bat for Antonio Brown impresses me into a microphone. I do wish he had the balls to do the same thing for Colin Kaepernick back in the day. I always said Tom Brady could have been up there legacy wise with much bigger not at the moment, but in the future, he would be so much bigger and he'd be up there with Muhammad Ali and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Jim Brown. He'll never be on that pedestal if he had gone to bat for Colin Kaepernick when Colin Kaepernick needed a job early on, when Colin Kaepernick had a legitimate cause early on. But he didn't do that. However, at least in this particular case, he's going bat for, to bat for a guy that nobody else is going to bat for. And he knows him personally. It's personal for him. He stayed in his house, right? So I, I, I couldn't I, disagree with you more and disrespect that this is why not you. Well, what I'm saying is I, I, what I'm saying is oh, about me saying that's a good thing about Tom no, Brady. No, it's no. Yeah, I, I don't agree with you, because okay. if, if one of my best friends, including you, were just acting so bizarre and had mental health issues and I kept standing up and sticking up for you, all my friends would realize, well, I love Tom. He's a friend and I'm always going to be there. Don't don't give me this. They don't know each other. They didn't go to college together. They weren't friends. I together. thought he stayed in his house. Well, he did when he was coming to Tampa Bay. And, he, he's, not, and but into a microphone was Tom Brady usually never says anything like like Alex Rodriguez. Right. Into a microphone. Tom Brady said kind things and went to bat for Antonio Brown. And he did because he wanted to win with Antonio Brown. All he cares about is winning. And he's got great traits, too. I'm sure there's, there's so many great traits with Brady. I don't so think the there's fact, that many. That's, I'm saying I found one. <laughs> sticking up for Antonio Brown because he wanted to win. You don't even agree so with the one I found. Yeah. Okay. Look, Antonio Brown and Tom Brady are there to try to win. And Tom Brady brought him back the second time. After they won the Super Bowl with him, okay, they rolled the dice. It's called risk-reward. So they risk bringing in unstable Antonio Brown. He played well. He caught a touchdown in the Super Bowl. Yeah. And on top of that, they won the Super Bowl. And then they brought everybody back. It was kind of cool because once they started bringing everyone back, they wanted a complete needle and bring them all. They should have just let Antonio Brown go. They brought him in. It was risky. They got rewarded. And then they brought him back again for no real reason. They already had Godwin. Evans, Gronkowski, Howard, the tight end, Leonard Fournette. They had plenty of players to win, but Brady needed a security blanket like Gronk. Why do you think Gronk came? Because Brady wanted him. 
And now it's well, yeah, all because Brady, che- Brady checks down to the tight end like Alex Smith every play. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so they brought Antonio Brown back, and now it's. I just think it's made them look really uncomfortable and slarmy. And even Bruce Arians, who's that coach we talk about, he always has a cocktail and he says, hey, yes. hey everybody, I want you out of here by six to go to your kid's recital or Little League game, or I'm going to fire you if I find out you missed that. Now he's very awkward because he has to lawyer up and he cut him at, in the post-game press conference, but they still hadn't released him. And there's money at stake and it's just uncomfortable. And fortunately for Tampa Bay, they're already in the playoffs and then the reigning champs. How come no one calls them dysfunctional this week? How come yeah. other teams are dysfunctional? <laughs> but we don't hear that word with Tampa yeah, Bay. That's a great, great point. Well, it is it's a great they're, point. They're darlings, Tim. Tom, everyone, everyone. Remember all those sound bites I had, Tom Brady, those awful sound bites of him? him I don't know anything about anything. There's the leader of a team. I don't know anything about anything when he was talking about Deflate Gate back in the day. And you're right, incredibly dysfunctional. However, that defense, that defense at Tampa Bay, you know, that defense can win them a championship. Not Tom Brady. That defense can win them a championship. How cool is it that Chris Myers, our friend, who we've had on before, and we, he, we think the world of him, uh, he came on and told us about this and what happened with Antonio Brown. He actually called the game. Chris was the play-by-play voice for this game. He won a lottery ticket. Brady had a comeback. The Jets played their best game of the year. He's in the number one medium market. He's hanging out with Bill Murray, his friend at his house, and he gets to call this game that looked like a stinker, and it's a game everybody still talks about. Here's what Chris Myers thought of this Antonio Brown situation. But it was crazy. You know, you go into a game thinking, oh, this late in the year, the way the Bucks are rolling and the Jets with their rookie quarterback, that this, you know, you're getting all your, your film material ready, you know, just in case uh, it gets lopsided. And the Jets had a 14-point lead the second half and, and had the, you know, the Bucks on, on the ropes. So uh, I think a couple of things jumped out from my standpoint as Antonio Brown, you know, you're watching Brady work on the comeback on the field, and then you see a shirtless guy running out there. And your first reaction is, is a crazy fan. And then, you know, you get word, hey, look, he took his jersey off, and you learn about the background and the flow of the moment. But two things jumped out to me. You know, JP, I was there reporting for Fox on the – I was in that dugout when Pedro Martinez and Don Zimmer went at it. You remember that? Sure. Season, right? Yeah, Red Sox, Yankees, and saw that up close. So, so that was one thing. And then, of course, I was there when Brady led the comeback in the Super Bowl on the, on the sideline for the Fox broadcast against Atlanta when they were losing the whole game, and then they come back to tie, and then they win it in overtime, and you get to Brady, and you talk about the year he had, deflate gate and winning. So there's a few things crossing my mind, but this was bizarre. I mean, we've had fans run on the field, and the Fox policy is don't show it on TV, just say, hey, we have a delayed description, you know, being security, could knock the guy off, whatever. And you don't want to give attention to people who are disrupting the game. But this was this was off the charts. Both Daryl Johnston, who, you know, has been broadcasting for 20 years and played in the NFL with some unique personalities on the Cowboys, uh, was thrown off by this, too. He'd never seen anything like it uh, before. And then later, we're finding out more and more. And we knew going in the history, and, you know, with a little Raider connection, the history of Antonio Brown and just how much, uh, what a troubled guy, even though he's a talented player, what a troubled guy he is. Chris Myers joins us. Chris, we all know you have a spotter. That's a big part of it. But, you know, when you see that <laughs> happening, you make a good point. Typically in a broadcast, if a fan is on the field, the camera cuts away. This is a player, a guy who has Hall of Fame. And, and what's sad about this whole thing, Chris, and I'd like you to jump in on this, is the numbers. He's one of the only players I ever saw comparable to Rice 
at the same time, same amount of years, and work ethic-wise, too. Before he started to have some of these mental issues and breakdowns, his preparation in the offseason, no alcohol, no drugs, strong, fit, getting better and better every year. I mean, this guy was one of the first guys really close to getting into the Hall of Fame after six or seven years, and now a lot of those stats are being squandered by this behavior. Yeah, derailed after, you know, his Steeler years, a chance. You know, I think Seattle was looking into that. We mm-hmm. mentioned the Raider, the Patriot situation, and a lot of off-the-field things that, I mean, you can talk about mental health, but at some point you have to take responsibility, and a lot of these things are more behavioral and anger management. I know he was sentenced to that, and I don't know if he completed the course of the 13 weeks, but ever since then, yes, it's teammates rave about his ability and in practice, just as you said, and Brady said, I think why he went out on a limb for him after seeing him in New England, and he really, I, I don't know if the Patriots, excuse me, if the if the Bucks win the Super Bowl without him. He's that deep threat, and you see that now with Godwin out the rest of the way, even though they have uh, Mike Evans and, and other receivers to go to, so he, he really, uh, he can't blame the league or other teams or uh, he's been given opportunity after opportunity and whatever the situation is either him or the people around him he has to take responsibility and clear up his life first so you know your employee your football team they can do only so much for you but for him to quit like this in the middle of the game on your teammates uh, and and again in a moment where this is a great comeback for Brady once again no timeouts down his top two receivers and running backs and yeah it's the Jets but he's on the road and has to go 93 yards and and he still does it in in a game where they were already in the playoffs Uh, it was an amazing moment that that this guy took away and I thought too we brought in Mike Pereira I thought there'd be some kind of penalty but they didn't snap the ball he didn't interfere with play even though he went on to the field and then through the end zone throwing his shirt in the stand and then and running out of the stadium. So, uh, yeah, it's sad, but but I, I think he has no one to blame but himself as far as Antonio Brown. Yeah. I find that really unique, Tom, that we had Chris on calling that game, and Chris does a lot of work with Tampa Bay in the preseason as their preseason play-by-play voice. I forgot to mention this just moments ago when you talked about you know, the NFL seems to have a home in Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Alleged, uh-huh, yeah. So they, so the NFL's been making calls uh, today in Los Angeles as we tape this broadcast. Uh, the California decided to go one more month with masks being required indoors. That's until February fifteenth. Well, the Super Bowl is February thirteenth, and the Super Bowl is in the state of California. And I think that that's when the NFL picked up the phone and said, "Okay, just in case." California puts the kibosh on our Super Bowl in Inglewood. Let's find an alternative location. Do you think there's anything to that? Yeah, I think there is because they. Or can't is it just put- a big business covering its bases? It's it's definitely the protocol of them covering their ass on the back end, which they're great at, and they should do it. But I think a lot of this had to do with the Grammys. The Grammys is the Super Bowl of music, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's the Super Bowl and the Grammys canceled. And Omicron, if you take a look at, it's been very easy to look right. You look right to France and England and yep. then you start looking left and you see it come over the ocean and get to New York and New, New York is decimated right now by COVID. Yep. I mean, literally everybody I'm talking to in New York, everybody's got it. Oh, I got uh, it again. A friend of mine who lives alone in her apartment got it. Yeah. So that's happening, which means going through the Midwest, it gets out to Vegas where everybody yeah. treats us like an ashtray in Vegas. They come here. They don't get tested. They go in our hotel rooms. They leave their clothes. They get in the car. They drive home and they just treat us like a hotel room. And then it gets out west to California 
And then California has a problem with it again. So I think the Super Bowl will be played. SoFi's got great ventilation. Well, they do. Know, they got the open part of the stadium. And that could be their argument. We'll open up the ceiling and then we're no longer at an indoor venue. Yeah, that, even that could though be their they have that, it opens up from the sides where they have that ventilation coming yeah. through. And, and that, that works. That's, and then you're an outdoor game. And I don't know what's going to happen with Radio Row. That's where sports radio goes. And what's really interesting about that is I've been to, I've been doing this 25 years. I've probably been to 22 radio rows. Mm -hmm. Didn't go last year. The only other time in between networks and radio row. Thank God it was never, it was here before COVID because all you did on radio row was pack people as close together as possible. And here's the hook. They're all spitting spittle, screaming into microphones, right? Right. right. That's all you do at radio row. You you're loud. The next show is not 10 feet from you. It's one foot away. Right. Yeah. The, the, uh, you can hear the guy hosting his show right next yeah. to you. It's going into your microphone. And everybody's yep. climbing over each other. Now everybody's like, oh, what are we going to do? Spread every, every table out six feet like that's going to matter <laughs> with no ventilation. And, you know, 110 radio stations and hosts all trying to be seen yelling over each other. So be interesting to see how that plays out. And then Super Bowl parties. You know, one thing when we were when we were doing this a radio row in Phoenix, mm-hmm. I had people texting me. They could hear. I can hear your laugh on AM five seventy in Los Angeles. <laughs> I hear your laugh on ESPN. <laughs> so that's how close we were sitting together. Over well, here. I thought you were going with Steve Hartman, our good friend. Uh, Steve Hartman. Oh if, yes. If, well, if you get next to Steve Hartman <laughs> on a radio row, then you could just yes. tell your boss, "I don't want to host the show. Let Steve's voice." host the show and we could just Steve had that great booming voice that people would use back in the day 2000 years ago when they had amphitheaters and no microphones but they would speak from their diaphragm and you could hear in the in the back row Steve had that great use of his diaphragm I'm watching Yellowstone which is it takes place in Montana starring and produced by Kevin Costner and I'm behind so I know a lot of people listening already watched it but I'm so into it. I'm so happy I found it. It's the Sopranos of Montana with a bunch of cowboys. So it's a bunch of it's a ranch and Kevin Costner owns the ranch and there's outsiders coming in and fringing on his property, wanting to build condos and hotels. And it's got an Indian reservation vibe to it as the Indian reservation wants to flex power and his kids are all screwed up. And Kevin Costner's completely completely like Tony Soprano, a man with power who's had has so many flaws. But man, it makes you want to go to Montana. It makes you want to go buy a pair of Wranglers boots, get a denim outfit, put a hat on and get on a plane and get on a horse and go wrestle up some cattle and get out there and actually enjoy it and and, and live there, not just go there for a vacation. And, and like fake like you're a cowboy. Oh, right? yeah. Our, our friend Rob Dibble played for the Billings Mustangs back in the day. He said he would have been happy his entire life playing the, for the Billings Mustangs. When he looks back at the time, he was too driven as a person. But he talked about how beautiful big sky country is. And I have been in 44 states. The Northwest Territories there, Montana, Wyoming, uh, North Dakota, South Dakota, are some of my uncharted territories. Have you been to Montana? No, I'm not. I'm embarrassed by that. All the places that I haven't been to, there's not many, especially here in the States, North and South Dakota, uh, Montana. That part, I went to Jackson Hole and skied in Wyoming. I haven't spent a lot of time in Oregon. I've driven through it. Yeah, it, it almost been, doesn't count with me in Oregon, too, just driven. Yeah, through it. but uh, Montana, after watching Yellowstone, 
and seeing some of those views and those ranches and you can ski there and you can go fly fishing and you can go hunting and you can do a lot of things. I just don't like to go to the cold. I, I ski once a year and it's a big ski trip. You don't like time. to go. I just don't like to live in it. <laughs> and neither did you. That's why. How come we know each other? But well, yeah, we've avoided, we've avoided yeah. the cold. We run away. I mean, yeah. every night when I sit here and I watch the ABC evening news with David Muir and he's so worried about the weather. I've never <laughs> seen a man so fucking worried about the weather like he's in panic because every day on the world news, there's a major storm here this time of year everywhere. Washington, well, yes, yeah, that's, the lazy, that's the laziness of when these networks, all of our lives, we've watched these networks news. You and I grew up with it. They're in New York or Washington. And so they say, what's the big story today? They have, you know, they're, they're meeting and they look out the fucking window. Well, it's not snowing outside the window in Montana where they're watching the NBC nightly news or in Florida, but they lead with the snow because it's right outside their window every night. And what happens is in the winter time, I live in Vegas. So Vegas, we have tremendous weather. I believe we have better weather than California. And I know people are shaking their heads. What are you talking about? You know, San Diego, we have the best weather. Well, it's like a lot of times it's 73 and it's 68 and it's sunny, but that to me isn't great. I like 95, 95, no humidity. Yeah, I like 95, no humidity, which would be like 88 for most people. Most people love 88. Yeah. Florida. It's I have no, humid. I got no problem with 88. Yeah. yeah. Florida. It's too humid in the summer. So everybody right. loves Naples. When my folks are Miami, just talk to my buddy, Mike Ebley. He's in Miami. It's unbelievable. I mean, Jimmy B they're sending me videos like last week and the guys, Bobby, they're, they're out on boats in Miami. It's Where's Jimmy B live now? He lives in West Palm. You know, oh, my Palm God. He lives, he lives, the, he lives Jupiter. the life. Oh, my so, God. I, but I'm seeing the weather in Florida and in Vegas. It's been you wake up. It's thirty nine forty. You could see the snow on the mountains right. where I live in Summerlin out at Red Rock. And we're only cold for probably about a month. And then in the summer, we bake like potatoes for two months. And we all try right. to get out of here because it's, it's like Mercury, not Mars. <laughs> but when I get time off in the winter, other than a ski trip, I don't want to go anywhere cold. I don't want to go where it rains because I work my fucking ass off. And I don't want to go anywhere where weather can be negative. So I think I've missed out on some great trips to Montana and other parts of town, because if I'm not going to go skiing, I don't want to go there and be cold. I may go skiing in Colorado in March. Beautiful. You should go in March because it's a little bit warmer when you're on the top of the mountain. It's not minus five or four degrees. You can get some great day skiing in, in March when it gets warmer and there's plenty of snow. And my cousin, Matthew is the guy that you see online. Who's doing the backflips. He does backflips. And forward flips. I know. I, uh, I, I, I like the, I don't even like the diamond trails. I like the, I mean, like the immediate intermediate trails. I like to ski for relaxation, not necessarily to do a backflip or to see how fast I can go. I love it as a relaxation. I've, done, I've skied since I was four. And oh, it's, uh, yeah, since I was four years old at Greek Peak. Uh, growing up as a kid, they had ski clubs in our primary schools and our middle schools. St. Patrick's and uh, at Notre Dame, there were, you can go skiing after school on Fridays. And there was usually just one parent on the Greyhound, but on the big bus, one parent watching over us. So it was like having nobody watch over you. <laughs> and uh, those are great growing pains we had back then. But nevertheless, I have to go back to Elmira, New York. 
uh, at least you know, two or three times a year, and I've always got to go in the winter. I'm probably going to go this month or next month. Now, traveling's been a little iffy thing with the Omicron. But now, just, uh, just as an FYI, playing Clark Howard on the show here, you can fly back east now for two figures, JT. $99. You can fly back east right now. It's a buyer's market. It's traveling. It's a right buyer's now. market. But when I know there's no lie when I'm watching David Mueller, and he makes me scared about going to the airport because <laughs> every freaking flight is canceled, literally, for a month. Yeah, that I do worry about. past yep. two years. And people are in the airport for two days, and they got to book hotels and go back to the airport and unbelievable but yeah if you can find good rates and travel now i'm sure there are a lot of deals there and that's really important hey one more last thing which is really important here as this podcast is wrapping up and it's getting produced tonight and it will debut on the one-year anniversary now we call january 6th january i'm sure you've got to be talking about the 12th day of christmas no i'm talking about the insurrection at the capitol oh okay and when we get to that i just want to make it clear that no matter what side you're on Republican, you know, Democrat, or you're an independent when you're not. You're either a Republican or a Democrat, no matter who you are. It's very safe to say you're an independent these days. That was one of the worst days in the history of our democracy. There's been plenty of bad ones. There was an insurrection. There were great Capitol police officers. I know one, and my buddies worked at the Capitol, and they were there as they were boarding up the Capitol, not in fear total of their life, but there were pages and young girls working there who were in fear of their life. Uh, Capitol Police got injured, beat up, mentally scarred. The Capitol was trashed. They were hunting people down. It wasn't a get-together. It was very violent. So no matter where you stand politically, don't listen to the conspiracy theorists who say it was just a little rally that turned into a protest. It wasn't. It was an awful day, and I'm also disgusted on how cable news either deflects it And if they're going a little bit too over the top that it was worse than it was, you can do that because it was really bad. And I just think of the people that got through that day and how many people are arrested now and went over the top. This is January 6th, Tom. We'll be talking about this day every year for the rest of our lives. There was a congressman on TV whose son had died just before. And he was wrecked, as one would be. Because your son is supposed to bury you. You're not supposed to bury your son. His family said, don't go to Washington. He said, I have to go to Washington. It's, 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 it's my American duty to go to Washington. He didn't, even, he didn't phrase it that flag wavingly. But he told his family, I got to go to do this. It's a constitutional thing I got to do. And so they decided to go with him. So he took his family to the Capitol that day, all brokenhearted over the loss of his their, their brother, his son. And you know, they were worried they were all going to die that day. Nobody should have to go through that. Those are, we forget when it's politics, these aren't, there's no lesser of two evils. These are our fellow citizens. If the candidates for president are evil than we are, they come from our culture. But they're not lesser of two evils. That's just a lazy thing that people say when they're not interested. Just say you're not interested. You can learn a lot about people if they downplay and mock COVID and they downplay the insurrection. You can learn. You could just look at that person. They could be in your family. They could be a friend, a coworker, And you got to do a double look at them and go, really? You're that person? You're that guy? You're that gal? You, you have conspiracy theories on COVID and the insurrection? And there's a lot of people who do. Probably not a lot. Probably louder people 
and more vocal via social media. But, you know, I think it's important. I looked down at my phone. I saw January 5th, got about an hour left as we host this at night and it'll load on January 6th. And there's going to be an overwhelming sense of media coverage on this day to the extremes on both sides but I side with the people who understand how bad of a day that was and why we're going to talk about it on that day the rest of our lives. And tomorrow, I will be celebrating. I still have my Christmas tree up. Why? Because it's still Christmas. Tomorrow is the 12th day of Christmas. Today, as we tape this, this was the 11 Pipers Piping Day. (laughs) Tomorrow is the 12th day of Christmas. That's the day the three kings showed up. I think we should stay. We all need to stay in the spirit of Christmas for all 12 days. And those of us who celebrate the 12th day of Christmas need to get our January 6th back. I like you said that because I asked my wife specifically to take to turn off the Christmas lights. Right. Because they're very big and obnoxious. This year we did. We went big again. Two years Mm -hmm. in a row. You come into our neighborhood. You see our house. And they were flashing like a rave. Like it was a (laughs) rave. And then I got her to tone it down and just have it kind of like a slow icicle look. And I drove in the other night. And I'm like, oh, my God. They're still on. And she said, she goes, well, they're taking them down next week you know january 7th or 8th i said but yeah can you turn them off she said no we're we're paying (laughs) to keep these on she's like you you should come out here on the 12th day of christmas yes with my wife and look at my lights and have a bottle of wine on the stairs i well well that's you know remember you went to godless public schools i went to catholic schools i celebrate all 12 of my days of christmas I don't know if that's really a Catholic thing as much as Mexican hocus pocus here in Los Angeles, but I will be celebrating my 12th day of Christmas tomorrow. Fabulous. Uh, did you talk about the Alpinist yet on, on the podcast? I did it on the other one. Oh, you yeah. did? Okay. Okay, because I have my list of stuff here that I've seen. Did you see? Did you like that? Oh, my God. Of course. And you got to know that kid so well. And, you know, while I was watching it, this is a stupid thing you can do sometimes. I should just leave the phone down and watch something. I said, oh, my God, I love this guy. I got to follow him on Instagram. So then I Google, oh, yeah. I Google to find him on Instagram about three quarters of the way through the movie. And there's the headline. I'm, oh, and it yeah, just it really hit me hard because I felt like I knew him. You know, and the problem is, you know, he climbed Mount Edgar in Chile or whatever that was, and he didn't get through it the first time. Then he went back. And went up and down and going down. I thought he was going to die going down Edgar, the thing that he wanted to climb the most. And he completes that and he leaves that South American country. And it would have been a great way to end the movie. Like he accomplished it. He yep. couldn't get it done. And then he just goes. His life through. was not about ending movies. And, it, and then <laughs> he goes to a reasonable mountain, unreasonable for most humans, but right. for him, you know, Mount Washington or whatever it was. And he dies there. And weren't you fascinated by the fact that they didn't find the body? Yes. And I've been fa- to find it. I'm, 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 finding a, I'm watching a couple of these where they actually find it, but they have to leave it there because it's too dangerous to land a plane and go get it. And I guess that wasn't that one that I saw. But because I've, I've watched a few of these lately, they're, they're great. The cinematographer cinematography is incredible. But the, there's a there's a fault I have from for, with all of them. There's another one that's even better. I got to get the name of it for you. It's called 12 Mountains or something. This guy tries to set or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But um, they don't ever show them going down. Which could be more dangerous. Yeah, I, I want to see how they get down. Can you please make a movie about going down the mountain? Because yeah. 
that, 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 uh, the Alpinist was really trippy because he had that girlfriend and, you know, you could tell the level of his ADD and what, you know, how he was just who he was. It's a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful guy. He really yeah. was living life, but I, I find it a very flawed life to live that dangerously and selfishly knowing you are definitely going to die. Your mom knows you're going to die. Your girlfriend, your friends. And at a point in time, you just got to take that into account. You can't do what they're doing. Uh, yeah. uh, Jackie Kennedy told John F. Kennedy Jr. Cause he was always had a fascination with flying and helicopters because his only memory of his dad was with those helicopter flights and which really bonded him with his dad. But but she said, you can learn how to fly if you want, but you got to wait till I die. So he started taking flight lessons the moment she was in the ground. And now we know why she asked him not to fly yeah. until she was dead because she couldn't handle burying one more person in her life. So this write up Antonio Brown, oh, yeah, give Chris Myers will join us. Um, Antonio Brown and. What do we talk about? Uh, also, uh, maybe Yellowstone and just things that'll get clicks, you know? Yeah, and Yellowstone exploded on the internet today. I saw a lot of Yellowstone chatter. Where did season it come finale. from? It's oh, great. because it was it's, a season finale. It was okay. a season finale. I think it's season five or something. I'm yeah, but how come, I, how come I'm hearing all the chatter now? Because it was a season finale. It was a season finale today. But what I mean is, I, was I was I missing the chatter? Yeah, you were missing. I didn't miss the chatter on Breaking Bad or on no. The Sopranos. Yeah, this one's just getting better and better. I think it's building and okay, every season's getting better. I'm 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 through season two and I love it. Wife and I are going to watch two episodes tonight. I suppose, like anything, these actors really start getting into the characters, and if you get a chance to play a character a hundred times, you you start to be a lot better at it than. You know, the, and that happens when you see a lot of shows before. Yeah, and all disrespect characters. to all due respect to James Gandolfini, when no one knew him. Right. Before Sopranos. Everybody knew Costner. Dances with Wolves. Right. Academy Award. Yeah. Field the Dreams. And to see him. play. This is like a role. comeback for him, actually. It's a great Maybe. comeback for him. It's a great role. He's so believable. And you just can't believe that. Well, I love when actors make good comebacks because good actors. What happens when they get older is it's too bad. Women have a hard time doing it. It's much, much harder profession for women. Guys can get fat and bald and still act and get right. jobs. But um, is if someone rolls the dice on him, like Quentin Tarantino with John Travolta 20 years after sure. he, he was irrelevant, but he liked him as a kid in the movies, put him in his movies. And then, yeah, because he had the talent, he was able to reignite his career and afford to keep those planes. <laughs> Wow, thank you for listening to all 50 minutes and 35 seconds of the award-winning JT and Looney podcast. 67,232 downloads last week to end the year. Thank you, thank you, thank you. JT and Looney podcast powered by our friends at Bet Online, where the game starts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.